The Mariners and Jorge Soler have once again been linked together. We'll talk about what that means for the rest of this offseason and for this team. And the Mariners and Pirates could be matching up in a trade for some of the Mariners' young starting pitching. Yuki Matsui signed. What does that mean for the free agent reliever market? And then Joe and I are going to talk a little bit about some guys that we're high on and some guys we're low on in the Mariners' system. Thanks for watching episode 45 of the Hit It Here podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm here with Joe. Joe, hi. Hi, Colton. <laughs> Uh, I know you don't care I'm doing, but don't care. Don't care. Yeah. I, you know, could be better, right? Could be better. Just like the Mariners offense could be better heading into 2024. If we were to stay how we are now, it's not looking pretty, but you're mentioning bringing in a guy linked plenty of times. We've talked. It's the only guy that we just continuously just been talking about over and over. And it's Jorge Soler. And I at this point, dude, I don't care. Just sign somebody. <laughs> it it could be it could be Sorge Holaire, right? I don't care. Like it could just be anybody at this point. Just sign somebody that it's to a major league contract. Obviously, minor league deals like Brett DeGeis or however you pronounce his name, whatever that happened like a week ago. But we're just I'm hungry. I'm hungry for some transactions. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. I know. But yeah, dude, like is. Jorge Soler, like, the best person to really bring in. Not necessarily, but at this point, like, I think everyone's just going to be happy with it because something happened. Right now, a signing of AJ Pollock would hit so hard. Nah. <laughs> I don't know if we want to run it back with, with AJ Pollock, I just, but... Just do something. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Even Go sign Colton Wong. Just run it back. Bring bring Colton Wong, AJ Pollock, and Tommy Lestella home. I don't mm -hmm. care. Do something thoughts no i i think mm. the, part of the problem as well is at this point last year obviously like the, the teo trade happened early november and then we traded for cooper hummel shortly after that and then we signed trevor gotten at the beginning of december we traded for colton wong so we'd seen plenty of moves happen that were additions as opposed to subtractions and the moves that have happened so far they have not felt very positively impacting the mariners ball club you know what i mean like, there's not no, a lot of... What? The worst wording I've ever heard, but yeah, I agree. Okay, thank you so much. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, the trades have been negatively impacting, which is the exact opposite of positively impacting. So I think they worked out pretty well for me in terms of jargon there, but Jorge Soler... The team Soler, is worse. Yeah, I mean, sure, yeah. The team is worse, and Jorge <laughs> Soler would make the team better. End of story. Book it. Yeah, I mean, I'll have a video tomorrow talking about, like, the kind of that market with Jorge Soler, J.D. Martinez... Reese Hoskins and Mitch Garver, just kind of those four talking about who would I rather see on the Seattle Mariners and breaking down each guy. And, you know, I was looking at Jorge Soler and I do find him as a very interesting piece, but I just don't necessarily know if the Mariners are going to want to even go out there and spend that kind of money. Because if you sign him to what he's expected to get, which is uh, $15 million a year, mm -hmm. then you have what five to $10 million to play with the rest of the off season. And it's like, to be fair, the Mariners have done nothing with the money they have right now anyway. Yeah. But, like, are you going to want to handcuff yourself by signing that one guy before you go out and make trades or what have you for the pieces, maybe the cheaper pieces that you can go out there and get? I'm not sure. And it's been constantly talked about Jorge Soler is the guy that everybody wants, and I get it. I mean, when that guy runs into one, he runs into one. And he had a really good year in 2023. Brant Brown, of course, coming over from the Marlins. Maybe he put in a good word for Soler. I'm not sure. I think that him and Julio would have a lot of fun together, although <laughs> I don't want Soler in the outfield. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that 
it's a fine fit, but I'm just so tired of talking about it at this point. Because I feel like we've t- we've brought it up in every single podcast we've done. Because we have to. Because there's nothing else to talk about. Is you were we're just waiting on one of those big moves to really start to push the needle in the right direction. And it just hasn't happened. The biggest move that you can make, though, is going to bet online. All the major sports are in action this week, with the college football playoffs ready to kick off right around the corner. There's the Rose Bowl, but more importantly, you've got the Sugar Bowl, featuring the University of Washington Huskies. Go dogs! If you want to place a bet on them, the place to do it is Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, like the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing Monday night. If you happen to like the spread or the lines against the Eagles, you can place a bet on them with Bet Online. They've also got the NBA, any upcoming fights if that's your style, and also NHL games for the rest of the season for obvious reasons. Go Kraken. Head to the website today to get into the action and to see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. You could do it from desktop, you could do it from mobile, so you could be at your computer, at your desk, or you can even be on the couch. Bet online. It's where the game starts. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Mariners just, we're watching all these other teams kind of making moves. Every single team in the division, except for the Seattle Mariners, has gotten better this offseason. Even yeah, the, the Athletics. <laughs> signing Trevor got. <laughs> even the Athletics. Yeah, and that's that's something that happened. I don't want to say it happened last year as well, because there was plenty of moves that the Mariners made last offseason that should be in the time frame looked at as positive moves. And, you know, when the A's signed Trevor May and Aledmus Diaz and whatever, that seemed like moves maybe the Mariners could have made, but they didn't need to because the offseason last year was different. Signing a guy like Trevor May right now would hit. Signing mm-hmm. a guy like Aledmus Diaz might hit you know it's not mm. as good but you know in that same vein Luis Urias. yeah i guess that's i mean we'd just be adding another Luis Urias. it'd be like training trading for jonathan india like it's not things that are gonna be overly exciting but at least something would have been happening at that point unfortunately guys there's not a whole lot of news to talk about with the mariners right now although there was a rumor that the pirates are looking at the starting pitching market in terms of trades. And obviously we know the Mariners have some good young starters. Mariners were mentioned in this article by MLB Trade Rumors. So Joe and I were kind of looking at the Pirates and trying to see who fits where for mm-hmm. this trade. Uh, Joe, who did you come up with? For obvious reasons, I think Cabrian Hayes is a guy that you can look at as if it's you're, you're trading Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, you're probably going to want to ask for another young, cost-controlled, I mean, he signed a contract so it's not really like arbitration years but it's i think eight years 70 million was his contract he won't be a free agent until 2030 so there's not a bunch of money tied up with him but you know it's a little probably a little bit more than the arbitration money guys like spencer steer like pre-arb eligible guys like that too but that's a guy that you're going to look at and be like okay this is who we kind of have to start the conversation with because you look around to the rest of the pirates personnel and it's not very lucrative. Obviously, the conversation with Brian Reynolds last offseason, but I don't really see that as a fit now, especially with the contract extension that he signed and how Bryce Miller and Brian Wu have developed. You probably want someone with a bit higher of a ceiling. And that's not to discredit Brian Reynolds in any way, but I think I value Cabrian Hayes a little bit more as a, as a player, personally. Mm-hmm. But as far as needs go, maybe Brian Reynolds does fit a bit more because we still need corner outfield help, whereas... For the infield, Cabrian Hayes would push Luis Urias and Josh Rojas back to a platoon at second base together as opposed to having them split time and be 
second and third, whatever, right? Because Brian Hayes coming in would be your starting third baseman every single day. And I think he's great. I mean, he's not the, the best third baseman in the world, but he's definitely got some really great talents with his glove. He's a decent runner, like base runner. But his bat, which third base is usually a pretty bat-heavy position more often than not, it's not great, right? I mean, he's hardly posted above like league average in terms of like OPS. It's barely OPS plus has barely been over 100. And I don't know, like would we see him continue to grow if we were to trade for him? And would the pirates even be willing to give him up? Because you probably want to keep him and O'Neill Cruz together. So like, as far as fits go, I think it's, it's not as advantageous as it might seem. And I think that maybe the pirates would be willing to do more of like a prospect laden package close to the big league prospects though. I don't know if Nick Gonzalez would be available. I've always really liked Nick Gonzalez personally. I really liked him coming out of the draft in 2020 or 21. I don't remember what year what year he was drafted, but like maybe him. Obviously, I don't think Henry Davis is available either. But no. you know what I mean? I like, mean, yeah, there's there's young guys on that team as well that are out for the year already. Like Andy Rodriguez is out for the year. Johan Oviedo, is that how you pronounce it? He's out right. for the year. So I understand why they want pitching obviously like it's a commodity that they don't have they probably like to get a, a little bit better in that department and uh, the mariners are well it's well known that this is the place that the mariners have a lot of talent in it's just as far as them lining up and kind of with what they're able to offer because you're saying like a prospect laden package sure that'd be fine for a team that might be looking to rebuild and the mariners probably i mean i don't want to say probably i don't want to speak for anybody in that front office because I sure as hell don't know what I'm doing, but they don't want to rebuild right now, right? The window's open, maybe. And so a prospect <laughs> package just doesn't make sense for Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, maybe for like a Luis Castillo if we're going to start talking about that those trade ideas of trading the supposed ace of your staff that you just signed to a pretty reasonable extension to clear up more, you know, payroll. We're going to start those conversations because I don't want to. I really don't want to, but yeah, it's just the fit. It's not as good to me as say the Reds or even the Red Sox, honestly. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I, again, at this point, are the Mariners going to trade one of, you know, Wu or Miller? I think what's going to be interesting is once we see like Yamamoto sign, once we see like now that we've seen Glass now traded, once we see Bieber traded and whatnot, these guys, the price of these pitchers will only go up in my opinion. So are the Mariners then waiting until you know february or march to get the most value possible because when teams start to get desperate because the beavers are off the board or the glass nows yamamoto's etc once all these guys are off the board there's probably going to be a team that's desperate the yeah. fact of the matter is though the mariners should not be waiting because what happens when they're not what happens when there's not a team that's desperate not willing to trade what you want to get then yeah. you run screwed. out of options yeah so it almost feels like the Mariners are playing some sort of waiting game with both the free agent market and the, the trade market and waiting to see, you know, it, it reminds me of the Kevin Mather hat in hand comment, you know, oh. like, like the, like, Oh my goodness. The, the reds are going to come to the Mariners hat in hand waiting for, you know, please, sir, may I have a pitcher? And yeah. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. They're, I think maybe, I don't know if they're playing their like hands, like the cards too close to their chest. Like, as far as what they're wanting, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the Mariners want and what they need as far as roster construction. You could, I think, I think you could just give anybody that has a little bit of baseball knowledge 
the roster sheet and be like, oh, they need corner outfield help. And then they'd be done with what the Mariners could be looking for. And teams that have that know that, so they don't necessarily need to push the envelope. Maybe they have to, they're trying to wait out the Mariners and make the Mariners the more desperate side there. And with Jerry saying that they're less likely to trade from the starting pitching because they traded Marco Gonzalez, which I think makes a bunch of sense. It does. And it's also dependent on whether or not they see themselves being active in the free agent market for starting pitchers as well. I think Lugo and Waka would have been good guys to try and go get. Shout out the Royals for going out and spending money for whatever reason. And they might have, I don't want to say they overpaid for them, but it's a pretty penny, right? For some guys that on the Mariners staff would have been your number four, right? They're not going to be ahead of Gilbert and obviously not Kirby or Castillo. So that's a pretty penny to spend on a number four in your rotation. So maybe they're looking at lower ends and trying to figure out how that all fits into their offseason plan. But as it stands right now, the plan does not seem like it's going very well. And going forward, like trying to navigate the trade routes and free agency for this team, I just, I don't see, I don't have a pulse on it. Like I feel like in the past we'd be, okay, that makes sense. Like last year when they signed Pollock to be a platoon with Kalanick, that made so much sense. And there's plenty of moves that do make sense to do right now. I can't envision it like I once could. And trading with the Pirates, sure, they have some okay pieces, but like, does is Connor Joe really going to be that big of a an addition to this team if you package him with Cabrian Hayes and you trade Bryce Miller or Brian Wu? Like, that'd be the closest thing I could see of happening, but also the Pirates probably just want to do a one-for-one swap if they're trading to Brian Hayes. They don't want to have to give up more. And so that fit, it just, for me, I think the, the, the rumor, the trade rumors article, it just kind of tossed the Mariners name in there as like a last second, because it's been pretty evident that they're, they have the ability to trade from starting pitching, but yeah. And I mean, the Mariners are getting linked to anything and everything <laughs> right now. It doesn't matter. It's just John Stanton. He's just trying to save face. He's like, Hey, Oh my goodness. We are so interested in this person. Mm-hmm. They had never even spoken to that person. Yeah, yapping. We're, we're we're being gaslit by John Stan thoughts. I and girl bossed. No, <laughs> no, we're not girl. If anybody within the Mariners front office is girl bossing, it's not John Stanton. He'd be the last person. <laughs> okay. One of the guys I really wanted the Mariners to add this offseason was Yuki Matsui. When Joe and I were going through our top fifty MLB prediction free agent whatever, mm-hmm. Yuki Matsui was the guy. I was like, hey. You know, reliever for the Mariners, let's go out and get him. I think that his stuff will translate translate quite well to the major leagues. He then signed with the Padres. Joe, break it down. So Yuki Matsui signed a four-year, $21 million contract with the San Diego Padres. And I want to say the trade rumors prediction at the beginning of the year, or the beginning of the offseason, had two years, $16 million. So he got a couple more years than expected and a little bit less AAV. But I think that makes sense when you lengthen the contract a little bit more and I don't know. I would have been very happy with four years, 21. If the Mariners went out and signed Yuki Matsui, he posted, I think what 30 plus saves in the last like five or six years over the MPB has been very dominant in that closing role over there in a pretty competitive league. Like it's obviously the top level talent coming over from the MPB to the MLB. This, the skills are going to translate and sure. There may be some questions about his makeup. He's a little bit on the smaller side in terms of his frame, but that's never stopped pitchers from being great before. And would he have been like the first, he's not going to be part of that. I think back end of your bullpen right away, 
for the Mariners because you've still got Munoz, you've got, still got Brash, and then you probably put Topa ahead of him. But he could have filled in right there as like the fourth best reliever, I feel like, coming straight into the year. But Padres, they're in a weird spot spending a little bit of money, but it's not a ton, right? I think that's a really good get for them value-wise. And ultimately... It's another guy that the Mariners missed out on, but do they really need to upgrade their bullpen? Not necessarily. I mean, you were really high on him. Is there a reason why you want the Mariners to add to this bullpen? I just don't think that there's a lot of proven talent in there right now. Obviously, we know what we have with Matt Brash and, well, we think we know what we have with Matt Brash <laughs> yeah. or Topa, but you don't have that Seawald guy at the back end of your bullpen right now. The guy who is proven, you know, is going to go out there and lock it down for you. I don't trust any of these guys to close out games right now. Really? Plain and simple. Like, I, there's not one guy I would turn to. And that's fine. Like, if you want to go close by committee, that's cool and all. But we know how much Scott fetishizes matchups. Yeah. So it's like, I don't necessarily love that. I just throw throw Paul out there and call it a day. <laughs> and would Matt Suey have been the, 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 the right guy for that? No. But mm -hmm. I just think that the bullpen has so many question marks in it right now. When you look at Praylander Baroa, we don't know what we have with him. Yeah, it's just it, we don't know. We we didn't see enough out of him in 2023. I look at, you know, some of the guys that they've brought in, like, is Carlos Vargas going to factor in at any point? I don't know. Yeah. And so I think that Matt Suey is a guy who, again, we don't know what we would have got out of him, but it's a good high upside play for not a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. And we know the Mariners want to save money. So I think that he would have been the best and cheapest option you could have gotten on the free agent market. Plain and simple. As far as like a pretty significant reward in terms of assigning i mm -hmm. yeah i don't disagree with that i think it is just they're looking at the personnel on the roster and right now like looking to their bullpen to upgrade is maybe not something they're interested in doing and i don't necessarily disagree with you that there's question marks in the bullpen because as it stands right now like are we going to trust that taylor sauceto is going to be able to replicate what he did last year i mean it was gabe spire and justin topa's first year of success in the mlb it's one year right we can't ever guarantee success in the MLB, especially in terms of bullpen pitchers, relief pitchers, because it's very volatile. And so having a bit of uncertainty, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, erring on the side of caution a bit and wanting to maybe shore it up with a guy like Yuki Matsui, who could have been a bit cheaper than obviously like the Josh haters, duh, like Josh haters going to go out and get a bag. Whereas Matsui, you might get I don't want to say similar level of production, but because that's a little bold, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's a lefty is a guy that gives you great situational pitching. Maybe you don't have to rely on Taylor Saucedo replicating or Gabe Spire replicating. Like you could have had another option. Whereas now if some of those guys get injured or you don't have necessarily the amount of depth, you're relying on Edward Bizzardo and no, it's not Caleb Hort because we released him. Cody Bolton, you know, there's, there's guys that, you've never heard of that are going to see innings next year. And that happens plenty of times. It's just sometimes they don't work out. Luckily enough for the Mariners, it has worked out. And I know you said that you're not certain about Prelander Bro, but for me, I don't know why. Maybe it's a little bit of copium, but he's a guy that I am super high on next year for the Mariners in 2024. I think with the guys around him, Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, you've got Topa seeing great success. I think they can show him or maybe just like get like, I don't know how to like coach him in a way to master his command and master his pitches and have a certain technique out there on the mound technique and be able to orchestrate his pitches and sequence a bit better. And the issue with Baroas has been his walks, right? For the, the large part of his professional career. And you know, maybe Matt Brash isn't the guy to go, go out and help him there. But as far as like limiting walks, the bullpen, it's not 
that terrible to allow some high walk guys be back there because Matt Brash, I think he's proved that he's been very, very good in many situations where sometimes his control gets away from him, but he's got nasty enough stuff to back it up. And I think Prelander Baroa is a guy that can develop very quickly into that same level of pitcher of Matt Brash and Andres Munoz. So that's my first guy that I'm like pretty high on compared to the rest for 2024. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I just think that for a Mariners team that I, when I look at this team, I think they, you know, I, I want certainty. And okay. you can never be certain, no matter what you're going to get, obviously. But, you know, I saw Preylander in spring training last year and was so incredibly impressed. And then it felt like it took forever for them to finally bring him up. And when they did, he sucked. And that happens. You got the jitters when you first come up. I get it. Yeah. And he could very easily, not very easily, but he could be the next Matt Brash, the next Andres Munoz. I just don't know if I love guaranteeing him a spot out of spring training. Okay. Another guy I don't want to guarantee a spot to is Luis Arias. <laughs> I'm so low on Luis Arias. It's unbelievable. Expectation-wise, just So like, low. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have zero expectations for him. He is somebody who I don't want to see in the lineup five five days a week. I don't. I, okay. I Sure, he was good for the Brewers for a year, and he, you know, was had a, had a rough season with the Red Sox. But the Seattle Mariners for the position that they are in need to have need to raise their standards fact of the matter their standards oh. are so low right now we expected so little out of you but my god you know that mean <laughs> yeah but my god but holy <laughs> holy yeah. yeah and i don't know luis urias is someone who i look at and the idea of him being penciled into the lineup possibly in like the middle of your order right now yeah makes me want to throw up and that's not necessarily because of luis urias alone it's obviously roster building. I think Luis Urias fits, but more so in like a Dylan Moore, Jose Caballero role. Yeah, he's that has a starting guy. Yeah, not in your, you know, four, five, six part of your lineup. And you're saying like as a starting role. My question for you is mm. how are you feeling with obviously projections taken with a grain of salt? Okay. He is projected to be slightly like the, the team little bit better than Eugenio Suarez in 2024 based around steamer projections on fan graphs. If I told you that at the end of next year, Luis Arias was a little bit better, like the projection hold true, held true, what would you expect? I would assume that it, so if at the, if you came to me at the end of next year, this time next year and said Arias was better than Suarez in 2024, I'd say, well, Suarez must have sucked. Okay. So it's a, it's a regression from Gino that would allow that catapult to happen. I don't look at that as Arias was good. I look at, at that as Gino was bad. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Who are you, who are you low on? I don't know if I can like single it down to one guy. For me, it's any of the left-handed platoon outfielders that we're trying to roll out right there next year i don't want to lump dom canzone because i think he's got a bit more upside but i'm gonna i'm just gonna say him Cade marlowe zach deloach i'm extremely low on because sure marlowe plays great defense but his bat it's just it's pretty poor he's had he kind of you know peak moments you know the grand slam off carlos Estevez, sure and the outcry of oh they should have let him have more playing time i just don't see it i don't see that success continuing in any way shape or form as soon as he had more than like a week and a half of playing time he was getting overexposed to the max and i feel a similar outcome for zach deloach if he were to see you know relatively similar innings to Cade marlowe that in 2024 just i know that deloach in the minors his bat was a bit stronger 
didn't strike out as much as Cade Marlowe, but it was still, I think, I don't want to say an alarming amount, but an amount that should not be penciled into your lineup. Like you're saying with Luis Arias, it shouldn't be in there as often as I think right now it will be. And that just feels like such an easy upgrade for the Mariners to go out and find a corner outfielder somewhere in the world to be better than Cade Marlowe and Zach Deloach. And it just, I don't know if it's going to happen. And so, you know, with my low expectations, they could blow it out of the water. You know, maybe they come come out next year and give us Jared Kalnick level production. And that's a two that's two wins. That's two war that Jared gave us last year. If Cade Marlowe or Zach Deloach can be a two-win player next year, I'll take it. But right now, I don't see them sniffing one. So Colton, we're gonna let's let's finish here with some positivity, okay? You gotta have someone that you're high on. Who is that guy for you for the Mariners Who? 2024? Who? You mean Woo? I am very high on Brian Woo in 2024. I think that now that he has a, you know, full-ish season of pro baseball under his belt between AA and the major leagues, I think that he's going to come out and flourish next year. I think that he's a guy that might sneak his way into the up there with Logan Gilbert. That's like the number three. Okay. In this rotation. Yeah, I think that he has that kind of stuff. He has that kind of ability. Obviously, hopefully a full offseason of rest for Brian Woo will kind of help reset him a little bit. He threw, what, 140 or something innings last year? So. Across both levels. I think right. So. so I'd say he's probably good for 160 if you need him to be, 170, really, if you want to push it Ooh. a little bit. I know, that's a lot of innings, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think that Brian Wu, again, I am of the belief that Brian Wu has more upside than Bryce Miller because of his pitch mix, because of his ability to dominate the strike zone. And Bryce Miller, I mean, we know about his his fastball up. But so does everybody else at this point. And obviously, mm. he's working on the splitter and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. But I think that Brian Wu is a guy who is going to explode onto the scene next year. I almost said George Kirby, but, like, how much higher can you be on George Kirby? I mean, you know I mean? at that rate, George Kirby's winning the Cy Young. Yeah. So, so yeah. my question for you would be is the step forward from the rookie campaign, right? For Brian Wu, are you looking at a Gilbert step forward or a Kirby step forward? Because if you look at both of them, they're both positive, but one is significantly better. Yeah, I'm probably going with a with a Gilbert. I don't know about a Kirby. Okay, that'd be, not not as, that'd be not wild. as drastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> think, go with a Gilbert. So. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I think everything you said about Wu versus Miller because I just the makeup is better. I think, and so drumming it up as this step forward, similar to Logan Gilbert took from his rookie year. I you know I'm in. I think if I, if you were to look at that, let's say Brian Wu does take that next step forward. The Mariners are going to have the best rotation in baseball, right? Without Don't a doubt. Think? Yeah, without, without a, doubt. a doubt. Yeah. And you broke without that down a little bit, didn't you? In this video. On the screen right now, go ahead and check that one out. Thank you guys so much for watching episode 45 of the Hit It Here podcast, presented by Bet Online and Go Mariners.